you have no discernment, sir. Please leave this room. <laughs> and I love how you look at this dude. And you go, um, just so you know, this was supposed to be fun, and you just killed it for everybody, and now you can't have a book. <laughs> Uh, there's no book for you. You are awarded no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Slowdown podcast. Our episode today is going to be talking about church as family, or as even we were talking pre-show, uh, church as identity. We might even uh, rename um, this reclaim here, which Ooh. I think is good. Good move. Um, before we get into that, um, you know, whenever you get to talking about church, I think one of the common conversations comes up is: Have you ever had an awkward? Like, what's your most like awkward church story or moment? And this is especially true for church leaders, uh, people who have led in a variety of different, you know, church environments. And I know I have one, Russ has one, but I want to tell the story of recently we were at Exponential, we were doing um, a pre-conference workshop, which we were late to, Uh, we were late to our own workshop and rushing into, um, to be fair, we were, we forgot. We were actually, we were on time early. We just, somebody yeah. that was in charge gave us the wrong time. Yes. So yeah. we showed up thinking 15 minutes early and said 15 minutes late. Correct. That would be a good way to say it. Yeah. But you, um, you recovered, right? You got us on track, man. Started doing some fun giveaways. Yeah. I said, okay, cool. It's, you know, um, people are sitting there wondering where we're at. I'm going to rush in. I got some book giveaways. Um, I had a few, you know, different ways I was going to, you know, give away some books. But one of the ones was who, who's got some courage to stand up and tell, you know, an awkward church story. And usually you get some funny ones like, oh, I was preaching and my zipper was down or, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I misspoke on a word and it was really embarrassing, um, just, which just is to be, highly, highly relatable. Just to be clear, in these moments, the stories that you hear are always funny. Always funny. Yeah. yeah. It's not like generally funny. They're always funny. Yeah. It's usually something self-deprecating, you know, something like, ha ha moment of levity, you know, it, it's in, in, in you laugh, except not this crowd. No. What, no. what happened was two stories back to back in which afterwards you weren't laughing. You needed to file a police report. It's what needed to happen. Yes. Um, it was like the whole room, like you could have heard a pin drop. And I'm sitting here in this like position where like I have to respond yeah. to some like very inappropriate stories. And I'm, we're not going to get into the details. But again, it was instead of laughing, it was okay. Like, well, did you fill a police report out with that? Like, what did you do? Like, I feel like I need to call the cops after hearing that. I remember this. Yeah, like, like it's because you did like seven or eight of these things, like just different points. You know what I mean? Around giving away these books, and everyone's like just having fun now and laughing, and you're having a book, and we get to this part of it, and this guy stands up and he's like, "Yeah, you stood up too." So. At the church that I lead, this happened. And then he starts telling this story, and you just watch all the air just leave the room. And 
people were almost at a point of like, please stop. And if you would, sir, just leave and don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even want to be in the same room with you. Dude. It's like, bro, like, do you not know what's happening here? Yeah. My favorite part you is that you told the lead that. people, you have no discernment, sir. Please leave this room. <laughs> and I love how you look at this dude and you go, um, just so you know, this was supposed to be fun. And you just killed it for everybody. And now you can't have a book. <laughs> uh, there's no book for you. You are awarded no points and may God have mercy on yourself. Yeah, no points. So Russ, tell your story. Well, speaking of no points, may God have mercy on your soul. I remember early on in ministry, not many people know this, but I mean, it's just the three of us on here. So yeah, it's just us. Just us. Yeah. I had, the, I had the joy one time of, of teaching about just the church and what the church is. And, of course, we have all these ideas of church that have been handed to us through so many different religious practices over the years, that, which we'll even be diving into today, that are just, in a sense, contrary to so much of what you see actually in the scriptures. And so I was just trying to explain like, what, the, what the church is, that it's this, that it's this family, it's this, uh, it's this living, breathing, living, breathing you know, organism. And of course, in sharing that, I quickly realized that I said another word that sounds like organism. Mm. I think I know the word um, you're talking it, about. It's, an act, it's something that happens, you know, um, among adults, hopefully married, you know, in a committed hopefully. relationship. Yeah. And of course, we know like the statistics, that that's just not the case. And uh, we all can kind of. It's a euphoric yeah. feeling. Yes, very euphoric, which I wanted to instill, like, the, the joy of being the body of Christ. Yeah. I just didn't know that that was going to slip out. And, of course, what you're in front of people. So you're quickly, quickly correcting with, with organism. Organism. The church is an, a living organism. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. happened. Mm -hmm. it, it happened. Dude, it happens to the best of us, man. You know? I mean, some of us stand up in front of groups of people that we don't even know for a moment of laughter, only to tell a story of criminal activity um, <laughs> in hopes to get a free book. And some of us just mispronounce words that are just really unfortunate. So, yeah. so diving in here to this conversation about church, church's family is what it's called in Reclaim. If you guys have been following wrong since uh, the beginning of season two. We've been working through our Reclaim training, which is nine conversations centered around freedom, grace, church as family, and really giving you a framework for mission, how we go about really just living in light of and living into Jesus' words to go and make disciples. So we've been talking a ton lately about freedom and grace. If you've been diving in, and now we're transitioning into church as family or church as identity is really kind of like what we would want to call it. Maybe we might change it. Mm. But um, yeah, church, a lot of ideas, assumptions, camps centered around this conversation. So where do we want to start? Maybe with the scriptures? That might be a good place to start. Always a good place to start, I think. You know, we're talking about this, uh, this idea of church and I think it's sometimes good to just kind of, I don't know, press in a little bit or you know, take a second to look into what the creator of the church has said <laughs> about what this thing actually is and what it does. 
Yeah, Ephesians 2, 19, a favorite one of ours. Really, Paul just talking to really meant a whole slew of people who have found themselves previously, they thought they were on the outside. And now in the coming of Jesus, his death and resurrection and hearing what God has accomplished in and through his son, found themselves on the inside, found themselves as welcomed, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, As brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, or as Paul puts it here in Ephesians 2. So now you Gentiles, just historically people who didn't grow up with law or thinking they were God's people. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Yeah, man. So this is where we come up with this idea, which is not a fresh idea or a new idea at all. It's actually something pretty ancient. This idea of church is really a family. It's a group of people who find themselves belonging to a person who created the world, who identifies himself as, as father, who identifies himself as, as son in Jesus and helper and spirit in the Holy Spirit. And so here we are. We find our identity by a deed and a declaration of his. Yeah, it's definitely identity, I feel like, is the best word to really capture it. Um, when I came a, you know, a believer in Christ, I mean, I was a young adult working on a freight dock, discipled by this guy learning and pressing on the things of Jesus. And it was later on after becoming a believer and walking in these things and even passing them on other people that I then went and plugged into this formal idea that we often think of in terms of church. And when I got there, I was taught like, yeah, the church is like, it's, it's a place, it's a building, it's a service you attend, you become like a member of this thing, you volunteer, you give, like, this is what, this is what we do. This is how we grow. This is something we invite our neighbors to, to hope, you know, to see their lives change. And of course, being there, finding a number of sincere people, love that, and uh, very life-giving. But in the process of just digging into the scriptures, right, I come face-to-face with Tony, what you were just talking about. The fact that, like, like as Ephesians 4 talks about, for there's one Lord, right, one faith, one baptism. And then he says, and therefore, there's only one church to which we together belong. It's, it's a people. And so it was a real, like, fundamental shift for me, seeing the church as a place to now seeing it as a people Mm. seeing the church as a thing that i go to versus seeing the churches no this is literally who i am it's who you are it's um it's this broad worldwide movement you could call it a family of believing sinners (laughs) flawed and frail people that are clinging to jesus and learning what it means to walk with him Mm. that's it like that's what we see in the scriptures and of course we can move into like what the church does and doesn't do etc but I think for us on this episode, we're just really trying to hone in on the fact that those are secondary. What the scriptures show us is that the church primarily, first and foremost, is simply who you are. Yeah. And I think it's important to point out that we are who we are because of something he's done and declared about us. Like even in that Ephesians passage, it says that we're God's holy people. And we know from our last five conversations, well, I mean, it's been more than that, but, you know, different conversations through Reclaim around this idea of freedom that we're holy because we find ourselves lost and hidden in the son who himself is holy, right? Like we're attached to him. We're united to him. We're sutured to him. We're welded to him. We find ourselves really just reaping all the benefits of who he is and what he's done. 
And so we're holy because he's holy and we find ourselves lost and hidden in him. The church itself, practically on a day-to-day basis, as Robert Capon says, that the church is nothing more than a random sampling of the broken, sinful, half-cocked world that God and Christ loves. And to posture and pose as anything else is false advertisement. Mm. That's so refreshing, man, when you hear that. Like at, on the front end, it's, a, it's hard to hear, to realize that, yes, you do stand holy and whole right now in the finished work of the Son, but you still wrestle with just the flesh in the world in which we live in. So although we stand as this, we don't always experience this. And I just remember spending a number of years early on in, in the days of church, just really pressing in on all that we needed to do to be these holy people. Right. And it's almost like everybody yeah. starts to get extremely insular and focused on each other. A lot of navel gazing, right. A lot of running around and just really working on me and doing my best to keep you aligned as well. Mm. Because the world out there, man, like they're looking at the church and saying, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. And that was like this, just this great fear, right. This like this shame that we would carry. And I'm not in any way saying we should be hypocrites, as much as I am saying that when we start to realize that the church is simply who we are, because as you said, a deed and declaration of someone else on our behalf, and we stand whole in him and in the process, he's fleshing out this holiness that we have as we journey. There's this freedom to just go, yeah, we are just a community of frail people. We are flawed. We are foolish. um, And that's okay. Hmm. Because we're not running around saying, look at us. We've got it together. You should come belong to this, to this church we're saying no look at him mm-hmm. look at the one who renews all things yeah come join the party it's such re- a such a shift yeah so i really like when you shared your story because for me i um i be i really was awakened to this conversation i didn't really you know believe um or found you know christ desirable at all until i was until i was 20 and I think early on, I heard like theology around that we're, you know, family, a household together, we're a body, we're a living temple, you know, living stones and, and more about the church, uh, you know, as a, <laughs> as a organism, not to make a reference back to our uh, intro. Um, but um, functionally, I was a part of like a very much like a different expression of that, you know, so like theologically mm. or like in like, um in terms of like an idea, I would say, yeah, the church is a body. It's a people. We're a family. But it seemed like everything that I, you know, was kind of around me, what was handed to me was very much a different, you know, expression of that. It seemed, it seemed like a lot of activity, energy, effort, money put to, you know, a lot of just kind of activity and different yeah. things, buildings, programs, stuff like that. We don't want to want to be like too negative about it, but we do want to be like, dude, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. Sometimes our, what we believe about the church, even from the scriptures in practice, those things don't, don't line up. And so Russ, what would you say, man, to just, if you were talking to a leader, what would you say to someone who, right? They, they're going to get the right answer on the test. Church is family, true or false. They're going to mark true, but yet they find themselves just giving themselves to a bunch of things other than just the people around them. What would you say to a person like that? Ooh, that's good. Well, I think you know, probably in my conversation, uh, whether it's with someone who's leading in some sort of expression of the church or just someone who's a part of it, 
there's there's all these ideas markers in a sense i think there's even some stuff out there like you know nine marks or whatever like like all these things have to be in place that you need to be doing otherwise what you're doing doesn't count it doesn't constitute church quotation Mm -hmm. marks and i would say man when you get back to the scriptures you find uh that the word church is actually something that we sort of brought into the mix you know, what we see primarily in the scriptures is ecclesia or us referring to a people, right? Holy people, um, people of Christ, the body of Christ in the world. And I just, one of my encouragements is don't, don't see the church through the lens of what you're doing. Um, what you're doing, right, can be good things and all those things can be something that the church does. <laughs> but what you're doing doesn't make you the church. Um, in fact, I would say there's one mark for the church. And that's to believe on the son, to find your identity, right? In the son. I mean, Jesus himself, right? John 6, 40 says, for this is the will of my father. And I love that because so many of us can be running around looking for this red dot will of God on these like winding maps and doing our best to arrive at this, right? This like real small little tiny thing that we've got in our minds. But Jesus says, the will of my father is that you believe in the son, Hmm. that you would find your identity in the very God that made you. Yeah, and just knowing the, that and just looking at that and going, man, like yeah. we can get, uh, we can get in the weeds of what we're doing and not doing. And I think it's in that where we wind up spending a bunch of time yeah, uh, with programs rather than with people. Yeah, no, that's good. And, and I think, you know, from some of our conversations centered around this, it's like, we so desire to be doing the things that we see the church in the scriptures doing that we all like, we, we make them almost like, um, benchmarks or boxes we need to check that if we're not doing those things then we're not the church from week to week and so we find ourselves just like week in week out checking these boxes because we think we need to like maintain our status as the church and not miss any one of those marks i like that i think that's i think that's really spot on and i think the why behind that Right, it's definitely what we've been digging into for the last six, seven episodes on this podcast. But I think, um, you know, as as you as you kind of hone in on that thought of like, look, you don't need to try to find some sort of status or some sort of meaning or be able to, you know, sleep at night and feel like you did all these things if you could check these boxes. The church is who you are. It's who I am. It's who you are, because of our belief in the Son we live and dwell within the body of Christ in this world. And I just feel like there's a, there's a freedom there, man, though, that when those lies start creeping in, right. To, to pull back and look at passages like in Romans 12, five, where it says, though we are many, we are one body in Christ Hmm. and individually. I love this members one of another. Like there's, we, we were genuinely brothers and sisters, Right who share the same father. Hmm. Let's not get too caught up in all the things that we're doing. In fact, I, f- I look at almost like all the things that we're doing in the church. You could almost look at them as invitations, right? Instead of checklists. Yeah. Like, I think sometimes if you're not careful, you start to look at communion as a checklist rather than an invitation. Hey, when you get together, remember me. Yeah. Proclaim my life and death for yours, you know, through this practice of a meal. Such a beautiful invitation such a, such a, a just a, a life-giving act, right? Something that we can do, something that we can participate in. 
something that we are shaped by, something that we learn through. I love that. But doing that doesn't make me the church. Hmm. Doing that just allows me to participate in something that's really glorious that Jesus gave to me. Yeah. But what makes me the church is that I believe in the Son. It's literally who I am every day, everywhere that I'm at. I love that. So I remember um, living out a story or an idea of what church is, right? And it's not different than most people's, you know, experience. Um, Church was um, an event, a place we went to on a Sunday. It was held in a building. It could be a rented out YMCA. It could be an own building, church building that's specifically designed to be, you know, a church, you know, whatever. And and in there was all kinds of, we had a liturgy, you know, there was singing and there was preaching and there was, you know, this and that. And there was, there was things for kids and there was things for teens and there was things for, you know, adults before and after and, and all the rest. I mean, it's a pretty normal like experience. And I just remember all the time, like diving into the scriptures or hearing sermons and taking the scriptures to make it support what we were doing. Mm. So we, we viewed the, I never, I never did that. (laughs) Yeah. I bet you did (laughs) it. Yeah. It's, I mean, people could probably find some old sermons of mine online where I did that too. So I'm with you. I'm with you, brother. Um, I'm talking like early on, you know, when I was just like being formed, you know, in some of these ideas, it seemed like we were always like taking the scriptures and kind of, you know, trying to force them to fit, you know, what we were doing. Um, and I found out early on then it's like, do what we, what we actually do from week to week, it's actually informing and shaping, right. And molding us more than like the scriptures. So I remember like, like diving into the scriptures almost with like, okay, cool. Like what, what does the scripture say about a gathering or what the church is or whatever? And I would, dude, I was like really surprised to find out the scriptures don't really make a big deal about what we do when we gather. It's like, it seems to be like a very minor emphasis in the scriptures. And the major emphasis is who we are together as a people how we ought to interact with one another, love one another, serve one another, all those one another's, like our life together, right? right? And when it really came down to like, man, what we do in this hour and a half or like this, ga- this, this gathering that we seem to be so infatuated about, this idea of it, um, it seemed to be the scriptures minored on that. Not a lot of detail there at all. Yeah. Yeah, you start to dig into the passages, like you're saying, and you find like, okay, the gathering, you can gather in large buildings or, right, you can have sermons and songs and all these things that we do today in the name of church. Like, we're not opposed to those things by any means. But again, if you're just going with the scriptures and like what they did when they gathered, they gathered in homes. Anytime the, right, anytime the gospel got started in a town, it quickly got persecuted. Rome's in charge, right? They're meeting in homes. And no, the Jewish people that were opposing them especially the religious leaders in a town. We're not saying, yeah, you could rent the temple on Sunday. We're not here. <laughs> like, like that's not happening. Communion's a meal, right? It literally says like, if you have a song, bring it. If you have an encouraging word, bring it. In other words, right. if you don't have a song, I guess we won't sing. You know, it, 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 you just, you see this mutual edification and encouragement among one another. And it's just a really cool and beautiful thing. But I think it's because they just kept honing in on identity, who we mm-hmm. are as a people who live and dwell in Jesus makes us the body of Jesus, AKA the body of Christ, AKA the church in the world. Yeah. It's really that simple. And I think that really freed them up in some of these passages that we find, like in Romans where it says by the spirit, we greet one another. 
We offer hospitality to one another, First Peter says. We welcome one another because Christ has freely welcomed us, Romans 15. Or some of our favorites, right, that we bear one another, maybe literally put up with each other because it's not easy. But in love, we can do this, right? Colossians 3 says, we're kind to one another and tenderhearted, forgiving one another, Ephesians 4. We submit to one another. We show humility to one another. Philippians 2, Ephesians 5. We can just keep going in the epistles and we see all these, all these things that we see fleshed out as a means of loving Jesus and loving one another. Hmm. But again, all these things that we're doing are invitations to walk in the good things of God. And doing them or not doing them doesn't make us who we are. Our belief in the Son makes us who we are. Hmm. That's why we are the church. Yeah. And I think seeing that is such a game changer in the West, where so much of what's been done in the name of church is limited to right, a few trained professionals and a very large budget and you know, in a bunch of time to execute all of these things. And then you just throw in the fact that seven out of 10 people are uninterested in even going to those things, no matter how cool you made them, you really start to see this really cool opportunity to just get back to being the body of Christ in simple ways. Hmm. Not just so that we can meet people where they are, something that Jesus has invited us into as his body. Right. But, but also just for our own joy, like just for our own practice of the things of Jesus that we've been invited into. They're so life-giving when we can participate in them. Yeah. First, just listen and watch somebody else talk about them. Yeah. So I feel like my first 10 years in ministry were a lot of environments and spaces where I came around the theology or the idea of church, you know, like talking a lot about like what should be and shouldn't be and what it is and just a lot of like truth. And I really like lacked on the actual experience. So creating environments where we come to like hear about the one another's versus like experiencing the one another's. And if you think about just some of those early church families, like take, you know, the church at Philippi, you know, for instance, Paul doesn't really spend a lot of time there. In fact, there's only like three or four Sabbaths, I think, mentioned. And we have a slave girl who experiences, right, a healing. You have Lydia, her and her whole household. They believe they're all baptized. The jailer. He believes his whole household is baptized. And then Paul just leaves. He's forced out. And so yeah. what's left is you have two families and a slave girl, right? And it's just like they couldn't go down <laughs> to the local Roman government complex to apply to build a building where they're going to worship someone other than Caesar as Lord. It's like, <laughs> oh, well, application denied, and we're going to cut your heads off. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, it's not happening. I mean, to your point, you know, earlier. And the Jewish leaders in that town are not like, again, yeah, you could rent the temple. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool. That's not. Um, I know we just kicked this one dude out for doing this, but yeah, we'll totally let you do that in freedom without any hassle whatsoever. So, so they were, true. Man, they were just forced to, all they had was each other. And I, I highly doubt, you know, that they're sitting there wondering who's going to be on the greeting team, um, you know, on the very next Sunday yes. uh, after Paul left. I think what they had was each other's stories their commonality in this grace that was amazing and sweet to them. Um, even this ragtag group like Lydia, a cell of a, a purple who's in the fashion industry compared to an ex-military jailer, right? Whose career is washed up, who was about to like kill himself. Um, the only thing they had in common was the sun and their life together. And so you just see that it was more of an experience 
of the one another's and the experience of each other and life together versus something they felt that they had to like accomplish or do or check a box. That's not what Paul handed to them. And no. so I think as we, as we talk about the, this, these expressions, I think those are just secondary, right? When it comes back to like identity and who we are and the walking in these good things and really just having relationships with one another, I think everything flows from there, man. It flows from identity. It flows from who we are together and how we're extending this freedom to others. But more on that, we've ran out of time. Um, so we'll see if we decide to do a part two to this conversation because I feel like there's so much more here. To I've got a feeling we will. I think we can yeah. follow this up with probably true. this out and some more practical application. But, but amen for just starting with the core, the heart of where it is, our yeah. identity. For the sure. Church. It's who we are, a people, not a place. Till next time. Peace. Peace.